welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Punch It, writing in Star Trek. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is... Charlene Schmidt. Charlene Schmidt. This is episode 80 of Punch It, writing in Star Trek, and I am super surprised. I'm not surprised is the wrong word. I'm, I'm shocked that we're already at the 80 mark, at the 80 episodes. We're, we're just a, a breath away from 100, and it feels like we started this new show together not that long ago but you know what it kind of was it was 2016 which now feels like lifetimes ago Mm -hmm. but yeah 100 is fast approaching that we're hitting the 80s now yeah we're gonna hit that before we know it it's funny that the country has aged 10 years in two and uh, just makes you wonder how this podcast is, has aged as well. So has my hair. The amount of gray hairs on my head has substantially increased. I would love to talk about that sometimes. Since we're talking about aging, I would love to do a topic on Star Trek and how I know that we, we talk about since this is writing in Star Trek, we talk about arcs all the time. We talk about character development. I would love to kind of analyze the writing about how characters age in Star Trek and not how they change as in like Julian was really creepy in season one and then he grew into a good friend in season seven. I'm talking about what happens to the characters when they get married, when they have children or when they don't have children or don't get married. How does their appearance change? Now, granted, that has nothing to do with writing, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to see how Star Trek handles maturity as opposed Ooh. to just character development. Okay. Oh, I think that's a great topic for next week. Why don't we just do that? Boom. Okay, there we go. We got Done. next week saddled, saddled down. Love it when that happens. Well, that's cool. Yeah, let's do that because I don't think that's something that's talked a whole lot about Star Trek in general. Yeah, I think the I know the the first thing that pops in my head is when it's in Best of Both Worlds in Star Trek Next Generation and Riker's talking with Deanna and once again Riker was offered the captain's chair and he turned it down because he likes his place on the Enterprise and he's asking Troy, he's like, am I too comfortable? Am I settled? You know, like what's going on? I I, I used to live to get a captain's chair and now I'm saying no. And she talks about how, well, you know, you're wiser, you're more seasoned. And he goes, seasoned? What a horrible thing to say to a man. (laughs) I always thought that was perfect and I loved it. And it was a perfect term for what Riker has become. I'd love to even call the episode that seasoned and see how the characters have seasoned over the years. Yeah, well, we ought to come up with descriptions for a lot of people. Maybe some are not quite as seasoned. How are they seasoned? Because Mm -hmm. there's a difference between paprika and (laughs) onion powder, for instance. And we both know that in the original series, well, not necessarily the original series, but the original series movies, they often dealt with age and getting older and relevancy and and things like that. Like even Scotty sure, and Rascals sure. in TNG and in uh, The Wrath of Khan with uh, Kirk. Oh, yeah, definitely. The Wrath of Khan is what introduced that concept, really. So the original series, they did go into it a little bit, I guess. They absolutely did. And I think 
since you're so in love with this topic as much as I am, we'll definitely save uh, the rest of it for <laughs> yes, we'll definitely save the rest of it for next week. But speaking of TOS, we have a TOS topic today, and yeah. that is uh, we teased it yesterday about how we were going to take a horrible episode and rewrite it. The episode we're rewriting today is the infamous Spock's brain. That's right, people. We're doing it. And this was actually inspired by a recent SETI Alpha 3. They brought up Spock's brain and I thought, oh, you know what? Wouldn't it be fun and interesting if we could take the concept for Spock's brain and turn it into a little more of a legit story? Take out maybe not all of the absurdity, but take away just the fact that it's such an incredibly silly and not one of the stronger episodes. I mean, if you think about it, too, this is how season three debuted. Yeah, that was uh, it was not a good sign for season three, which, no, you know, there's a lot of mixed bag episodes in season three. And thinking back to then, I mean, we were not alive in that day, but people fought so hard to keep this show on the air. And then they debut season three with this episode. Not the best omen of things to come. I wonder, and, and maybe I'm missing some information here, but I wonder if back then people were thinking, boy, we made a mistake. <laughs> it's uh it's quite possible because that's the thing is that like you fight so hard for a show to stay on the air and you're just like oh god this is what they gave us what did we done what have we done <laughs> exactly so what i want to do is takes the idea of spock's brain there is some interesting sci-fi stuff here let's rewrite it and turn it into a much better much more solid episode of star trek I think that's definitely possible. I think we can keep key elements or at least a few elements and then morph them like we always do. And speaking of SETI Alpha 3, everyone, if you like our show and you like podcasts in general or specifically Star Trek podcasts, you need to check them out. They have a fantastic show. You can do that by going to thenerdparty.com slash SETI Alpha 3 or just go to thenerdparty.com. You can find it there. You can also find all of our back episodes and a whole bunch of other shows dealing with Star Wars and uh, Harry Potter and Doctor Who, tons of geek stuff and a general geek show. And it's just, we we got so much great stuff coming at you every single day of the week. You can find us on social. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the nerd party, as well as on Twitter at twitter.com slash join nerd party. You can find us, your hosts, your beloved punch it host. Personally on Twitter, you can find me at the insane Robin. And you can find me at Oh, the profanity. Now, Char. You and I both watched Spock's Brain in preparation for this podcast. We did. I needed a refresher. I don't know about you. When the credits rolled, what was the first thing that popped into your head? Two things, actually. This refresher was incredibly inspiring. I don't have just even one idea about one direction we could go. I have two. (gasps) I know. Shocker. I mean, sometimes I'll watch an episode and think, oh, God, I got nothing. This time I'm like, oh, we could do this and we could do this. Before we get into that, I would love to know, what did you like about the episode? Was there anything that you liked about the episode when you walked away from it? You know what I do like about Spock's brain is just in Trek lore now in general, this is one of those episodes where it started out being regarded as so bad it's bad, but now I think it's transformed into almost being like an endearing favorite of it's so bad it's good. You know, if you just laugh along with it and take the absurdity for what it is, It can be entertaining. It's got some kind of out there sci-fi concepts. I mean, somebody stole Spock's brain. Okay. (laughs) And then there's some other things where like there's really old technology, but the people who are there now don't know how to use it. 
And there's kernels of good ideas there, but they were really mishandled. What about you, though? What did you think? I think the entire idea of a disembodied brain powering a civilization or powering a huge computer or a machine or something like that always interests me because it's been handled a lot in science fiction. A lot. (laughs) And actually, uh, one of my favorite franchises is the Dune franchise originally written by frank herbert after his death and actually just a couple years ago well more than just a couple years ago his son and another writer wrote some prequel novels and there was this group of titans basically who they they became titans and became immortal because they disembodied their brains into huge massive machines and they could live hundreds and thousands of years because they were just a brain. That's all. They just needed to, t- to take care of a brain. And how they, like a lot of writing was focused on how they live and how they interact with each other and, and what that does to an ego and to a personality and things like that. And so, like I said, from a sci-fi standpoint, I love that. And it was, what I didn't, is, is definitely a lot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, it, it's got some problems, for sure. Yeah, like a... Just seeing Spock flail around and and <laughs> yeah. Leonard Nimoy walking like literally walking around with a with a disembodied brain. Right. And, and, uh, We've got remote controlled Spock, which I think is just a little over the top. A little over the top, and the portrayal of men and women is not always up to up to snuff as it was oftentimes in in TOS. Uh, well, from our frame of reference. F- yeah, from our frame of reference, and. Uh, and even by there sometimes, but sometimes, was, uh, yeah, very different though. Yeah, so there's a lot not to like, but there's a little bit to like, and I think that's my that was my main takeaway. That was just like cool disembodied brain powering a huge machine. That's cool. Okay, so one idea I have in terms of how we could rewrite this is maybe we take a couple of the weaker spots of this story and try to find ways to make them better. So. This thing has a lot of issues. Maybe we discuss them and see which direction we want to go in. So how about starting off with the idea that the advanced technology for what has become a stupid people, they're kind of like pack leads. <laughs> this is an interesting story, but very horribly portrayed. I think we could put a 2018 spin on it even And I don't think it's too outlandish to do that because even for the 1960s, this could still possibly be a concept if people are really, really thinking about it. What if the society at large is so reliant on the great old knowledge that they don't actually know anything for themselves anymore? They have to constantly look it up, which is an allegory for us. I mean, we have so much information available that it's really hard to retain anything. We just know we can find it. What does that do to a people? You could make some serious social commentary there. That yeah, that's really interesting because it kind of makes me think of Caretaker in right? Voyager about how the Theocampa just relied on the caretaker. He was literally their caretaker. And so they couldn't do anything for themselves and they were just like, Yeah, you know, it's cool. He gives us our food and our power, and it's a pretty sweet deal. It's this sounds like something I know this is gonna sound ridiculous, <laughs> and I hate that I'm saying this out loud, but this sounds like something the Orville would tackle today. Um, oh sure. Yeah. Where actually, like, what? Because their social commentary has been very much on the nose. If you if you watch <laughs> season one, like for instance, like one thing that could be done. I don't know if it's right for this story specifically, but we all have our cell phones and we don't remember anything. Yeah. So what if one day we have a scenario where a group of these people are with 
Kirk and Company, and they lose their cell phones or their whatever their cell phones represent, or, or you know, sure. whatever plot devices in place of their cell phones, and they have to work together, and they have to work on their own wits, and they have to try to remember history, they have to try to remember how to start a fire, stuff like that. I think that would be a very interesting episode. I don't necessarily think that's the crux of this episode, though. Okay, I have another direction to propose. Go for it. So. What if we keep the concept that somebody has done something to Spock's brain? Maybe not stolen it, but I, I think we can kind of legitimize it a little more where like, maybe somebody hacks into Spock's brain, where they have this advanced technology, his brain is still in his head, but they've taken it over. And to the point, though, where Spock's brain is overwhelmed and he can't even handle basic brain functions without life support. And from what bones can read spock is in agony from the stress that his body is under and the reason why it's spock who was chosen is that because he's vulcan he has a little bit of higher brain telepathy type of connections that he can tap into a little bit whereas humans we don't and we can keep something like the ticking time clock where he has 24 hours to live so they have to find like who's hacked into spock's brain here that's going to take some time. So they really only have a few hours, just like in the original episode, to try and mm-hmm. negotiate who has hacked into Spock's brain to get them to stop it and find out why. That's a little bit more in the vein of the area that I wanted to go in. Okay. Well, let's maybe keep going with this then. I think that's definitely the way to go. I was absolutely just like you where because he was Vulcan, that's why he was targeted. I think Instead of just this group of people just randomly coming across a Vulcan, I would love to find out that they were just like, no, we've been in search for Vulcans for a very long time. We have limited space travel or something like that. We've heard of Vulcans for some reason, like they came across the, like someone was talking about Vulcans with them or something like that. And we need a replacement brain. And they don't take, they don't take a brain, like they don't take it out of his body, like you said, right. where they, they steal Spock. And they essentially hook up his brain without it leaving his head. Because I think that's what really makes people kind of a little squeamish and a little like... Like, is that the jumping off point where people just start saying no? (laughs) I think you're right. I think that's where people roll their eyes. That and remote controlled Spock. Uh, Visually, it's kind of funny to watch it now, but it's a horrible idea. So I would love to just have him debilitated in sickbay and bones is going crazy because the more he finds out about this he realizes that spock is in pain and he's under a lot of stress and pressure to add on to that though i don't know if he should stay in sickbay because i would want them i want them to steal spock and he's kind of jacked into the computer like you know neo's jacked into the matrix where they are just like okay spock is our computer now we need a brain this powerful to run our entire civilization like say that he's running something that's an entire nation or like something the size of the United States or, or maybe even just the size of a state like Texas or something like that. And where there's millions and millions of people, if not more, and he has to run their daily lives with his powerful brain in conjunction with this computer so that he's able to do it. And, you know, we can keep the whole ticking time clock. We can, we can click them passing out in the beginning and trying to find them and Uhura, you know, like saving day by tr- figuring out where he actually is. And because she doesn't get enough of those moments in the series. Right. 
I would love to see that, but I'd also kind of like to mix it with a Next Generation episode where, you know, how Barkley gets smarter and smarter and smarter and then hooks himself into the Enterprise D. Yeah. I would love to see that happen to Spock where he's just like, maybe he doesn't want to go. Maybe he doesn't want to unplug himself Hmm. because he's like, I have almost limitless knowledge. This is awesome. Okay. So are they trying to take Spock to run the city or whatever it is, the civilization, these people, uh, Mm -hmm. because their computer is dying out like it is in the actual episode. Why are they taking him? Why do they need him? I think it's in my mind, and you can add on to this or tell me no, but in my mind, they did this to somebody else. They did this to another advanced (gasps) race and that person died. You are giving me an idea. Go for it. I want to I kind of bridge off of that and propose like a different thing. What if they're taking, what if they took Spock because they've maybe heard a little bit about Vulcans? They know that Vulcans have superior strength and things of that nature. And the way that they research alien cultures and people is to basically hack into their brain and conduct experiments on them. That's how they learn about them. And they don't see anything wrong with the idea that, you know what, this might kill them because this is how they gain their knowledge. That's pretty, I'm not saying no, <laughs> but I, I feel like that diverges pretty far from the storyline. I mean, it does. It, it's kind of a different thing. But, you know, one thing that did bother me a little bit about this episode was it is a little low on the whole morals, messages and meanings aspect of original Star Trek, which is usually not that much of an issue for this incarnation of the Mm -hmm. show it's very heavy usually well you're getting into things like animal testing or just even human testing what are the ethics on that how far can you go what do you do in the name of learning and how do you regard life what if they consider other alien species to be less than Uh, once again i think you're coming up with a great idea and something that we should absolutely explore but at the same time i feel like we've moved on from rewriting an episode to just writing a new episode Mm, okay that's really my only thing like i think that's great i mean it is a little don't take this the wrong way but it's a little reductive to the point where you know old sci-fi 1950s sci-fi is all about like the probing and the lesser than and like the taking people and then dissecting them to learn more about their species i mean that's that's what sci-fi was built off of yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's a brand new concept by any means, but it does bring up good issues and it would make you think a little more. And like I said, I was like, I think that would make a great episode. But with this one specifically, like if you want to inject a little bit more morals and societal lessons and everything like that, Kirk is is fantastic at going to a society he knows very little about and then just setting them straight and just like <laughs> like talking to a group. That's what he does. Talking to a group of like maybe five people and then saying, you need to change your civilization that civilization that civilization's like you know what kirk you're right we're gonna change the minds of millions of people we're gonna live the way that you think we should from now on <laughs> that and is we can- true that is what he does and that's what he does in this episode even he just he says you're gonna learn how to build houses and start fires and learn to live on your own i think we could do something along those lines but just kind of amp it up a little bit more where spock is the computer he's gonna run the civilization And maybe there's some compromise there where like Kirk, Spock and McCoy and Scotty put their heads together. They said like, listen, you have a really, really advanced computer here. 
regardless of Spock. Yes, Spock would be able to do everything for you with the help of this computer, and you'd be able to live very lazy lives and just lay down on the couch watching Netflix constantly and tweeting out, you know, like horrible things. But what, <laughs> like, if you would be able to survive as a race and even thrive as a race if Spock left and you just develop jobs for yourself to help the computer along like the the computer can help you live your life but it cannot live your life for you anymore that kind of thing okay and so okay so it's like a don't be complacent don't be lazy well don't let technology replace what makes us people that kind of scenario what i'm getting out of this is you want the middle ground that stays a little more true to the episode but has yeah. the deeper message and meaning that kind of goes back to the first thing we talked about a little while ago of the complacency of having so much technology that it's made us lazy and in some ways stupider absolutely and like we can even build off of federation lore a little bit long a little bit more cuz we know like a, a 21st century audience who have seen next gen deep space 9 voyager and enterprise and everything like that and saw first contact we know where we came from and how far how we went through world war 3 how the vulcans helped us get technology and maybe i know this is this is totally retconning but we could have kirk even mention that in our rewrite by saying like hey a Vulcan is helping you and your society thrive just like a Vulcan helped ours. And he's referencing first contact. And uh-huh. I'm curious to know if our listeners are going to like that, if we keep that or not. I, 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 I kind of want to know, yay or nay? You like retconning or no? But on top of that, I mean, he could talk about how we're destroying ourselves over fighting over resources and everything like that. And it would have been very easy for us to destroy ourselves even further just by being lazy but like we had to realize that comfort and money was not the driving force in our lives anymore that when our technology evolved we also as humans and a society had to evolve and so do you guys you know blah 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 blah, blah right blah, blah. you can use the technology to better yourselves right instead of just take care of yourself right okay that's cool you know going back to caretaker for just a moment. I really, 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 really wish they would have gone a little more into the caretaker's backstory and the Ocampa just maybe a little bit more in general because they were so complacent. They'd been taken care of for generations. What did these people do all day? Kess was really this rebel who wanted mm -hmm. to actually escape the comfortable life she had, which, I mean, there weren't many others, it sounds like. And so what actually gave her the freedom of thought to do that. This this is spawning off of a conversation I had with uh, Philip Gilfus, by the way, where he was recently watching Caretaker, I think, and we were going into some of the unanswered questions of that episode. So shout out to him. He's also on SETI Alpha 3. Check out that podcast. Yeah, I think that would make a good punch it episode as well, like writing a prequel to Caretaker, but in the perspective of the Delta Quadrant. Mm, yeah. We've written prequels before to Caretaker, but always in the perspective of the Federation and Starfleet and the Alpha Quadrant. But what would it look like from the other person's perspective, from the other society's perspective? Because, I mean, how many people did the Caretaker take from all over the galaxy? And what what's the aftermath of that? Are there just a bunch of ships just floating around in space, abandoned, because he ultimately probably killed a lot of people? Or what's going on here? And also, what's the fate of the Ocampa? You know, yeah. after that energy runs out, what does it look like? How are are they thriving? Were they annihilated? How is that not a story? 
right now? I have no idea. I have zero idea. Why is that not a novel? Or if it is, tell me where it is. I want to read that right now. (laughs) I think that would be very interesting for the super fan. Absolutely. Totally. Okay, good stuff here. But let's let's get back to Spock's brain. Yeah. So what else? I mean, we've been podcasting for about 25 minutes. Yeah. And we've already made this a better better episode. So it, what else needs to be said? Well, I mean, it's kind of a low bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we had to work too hard to improve this episode. But I think what we have done is we've given it more of a good uh, moral compass. It has a message now. And it's using the idea of the story as the vehicle to do that rather than just telling some sort of weird, almost Twilight Zone-esque kind of story. Yeah. Where it's for the novelty of it all. Oh, they took his brain. Oh, my. I think that's the thing is that like the writers were just like, what's the hook? Oh, it's Spock lost his brain. Let's write a story around that instead of creating a story. And how do they get that going? And uh, I feel like in our version, we could definitely get rid of the whole male female division and it's just a society you know like that kind of thing yeah can we just have an equal society that's fine by me too one thing that maybe we should explore a little more since we have some time is the idea that maybe spock is a little reluctant to leave or maybe needs to be convinced to leave maybe there's a part of him that's drawn to this idea he wants to stick around What's in this for him? Is it just that infinite knowledge that he has access to? He's fascinated by it. And Jim, if I could stick around here for a while, the things that I would learn. I think that's it. I think you hit it on the head. I think that is what is intriguing to him because Spock, above all, seeks knowledge and logic. And if you have almost infinite knowledge or at least infinite access to knowledge, you know, maybe he can pull out some sort of old Vulcan Vulcan thing that we were unaware of to this point where it's just like we could achieve pure logic, you know, like you, mm. do you know how valuable that is to the society and like I could do this and then report back when I'm done or blah, 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 or something like that, where this is Spock's omega molecule. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then Jim not only has to talk the civilization into going rah, rah, Starfleet way, yes, we'll take care of ourselves, but he's got to talk Spock back into reality and snap out of this trance he's kind of found himself in. Now, how are we going to resolve this, though? I don't know if we talked about that, where obviously Spock can't stick around. Right. He can't He can't run the city. So what if Spock comes up with the solution to maybe make the computer a little more self-sustaining, but maybe with a limitation where it only operates, let's say, so many hours a day so that the civilization can't be overly reliant on it? Yeah, I think that would be the thing where, like, we talked about how Scotty and McCoy and all of them said, like, you have a super advanced computer, it can take care of you, it just can't, you know, live your life for you. I think that's the thing where, like, Spock can maybe help them along a little bit where it's just like, hey, listen, this will give you energy, it can run your lights and everything like that, but it won't be able to think for you anymore. It won't be able to do everything for you anymore. I like that. And I think that's the thing, but we still have to come up with why Spock would give up infinite knowledge. What is his motivation? Is it the thought of losing oneself? Like maybe McCoy talks to Spock and says, like, listen, if you stay here any longer, your personality will be gone. You will just be ones and zeros. You will just be a thinking machine. You may be pure logic, but you won't be Spock anymore and you won't be able to contribute to society or even contribute to the Vulcan people anymore. Like what if it's something like that? Or what if it's just more basic where honestly – no brain should really handle 
this capacity that this computer has, it's going to fry him out. I think if that was the case, then that would be an easy decision. You know, it'd be like, oh, well, oh, I'm going to die then if I stay here another day, then yeah, okay, yeah, unplug me. You know, there's not much conflict there. Yeah. Okay, so that's too basic. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Because, I mean, that's that's so easy that Spock has to say no and then that's done. Right. That's kind of what I'm going for. But, okay, so if he... I'm just wondering if it's convincing enough to him that losing himself in the Matrix, so to speak here, is enough for him to come back down to reality and sacrifice that opportunity. Yeah, I think... That's a tough one because, you know, he's often said he has no ego to bruise. And so if he has no ego to bruise, then he probably has no personality to lose. I don't know. Yeah. Why would he not give himself to this opportunity to basically become one with this machine? I'm having so many V'ger flashbacks right now. Yeah, it's it's coming at us hard. What if Kirk makes a personal appeal? Yeah, I think we already kind of did that where it's like, Spock, I need you. (laughs) Damn it. I need you. I really think Bones is going to have the clincher, but what is it? So what if we expound on the idea a little bit more where it's not like a day or a week or something like that where he burns out and dies? He said, he's like, if you continue here and you can, you perpetuate this way of life, then once your body dies, your brain is not going to continue and they're just going to go out and grab somebody else. And what if they're not as willing as you? Are you going to let somebody else just wither and die in this machine like you and how many generations is that going to happen are is like but you have the power to end this now and make them self-sufficient so right now you're choosing this for selfish needs and that's not the spock i know and love and that's not logical yeah something like that there you go (laughs) i think okay that i think is enough of an appeal for him to realize that he's actually not doing the society any favors Mm -hmm. submitting like by agreeing to what they want and sustaining them but then also yeah his selfish reasons that's a no bueno yeah i think that's it i think that's the one and i I think that's how they get him off the computer and back onto the ship and everything like that so there you go there you have it new and improved spock's brain and you know what had they kicked something off like this for season three maybe the course of the rest of the season would have been a little (laughs) different i don't know yeah, you'd never know. And uh, it's interesting because you can still call it Spock's brain because it's all about right. the power of his brain. Yeah, we do not need to retitle this one at all. All right. There you go, folks. Uh, that's our episode. Let us know what you think. Is it too simplistic? Did we change too much? Did we not change enough? Did we add too many morals or not enough? Let us know by going to the nerdparty.com slash contact. Select a punch it from the drop down menu. Fill out the form. It'll send us an email. And if you haven't already, we would absolutely love it if you would go to iTunes and leave us a review. If you give us a five star review, we'll mention you on the show. Now, Shar, we talked about what we're doing next week. Can you remind everybody what we're doing next week? Yes, we are going to talk about aging in Star Trek and sort of going into arcs a little bit of how life circumstances change our characters, both physically and emotionally, because those two things are interconnected. And so we're going to discuss a little bit of that. And hopefully we'll become more seasoned in the process. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Punch It. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.